0: welcome to encompass church podcast we are so glad you've joined us today to share your story of what god has been doing in you and through you take a moment to email us at amen at enjoy today's message so good you can take a seat it's so good to see many familiar faces, but also many new faces. Um, if you come from another church, uh, huge welcome to you. And uh, anything that I share today is easily transferable to your community, uh, to your uh, life. And if you are uh, maybe never come to church ever before, and I've met some of you that that's the case, uh, then what I'm going to speak on is really speaking to the heart of a woman. And I know that today God is going to speak to you. You're going to get something out of it um how different is it it's it is different looking out and I'm like you're all just friendly faces so beautiful and I felt like I could wear pink today and I wouldn't be judged is anyone judging me right now don't like pink (laughs) so good I love it I love I love that you are here that you're leaning in to what God is doing, if you are a part of your church in our church, you know that God is doing something in our church. It is a new season, but I don't believe it's just a new season for our church. I believe it's a new season in the church, and I, and I, yeah, I reckon it is. And, and as I speak to other senior pastors, we're all we're all seeing that that God is doing something new, and we're just trying to just to wait on God to go. God, where are you taking us? Because it's new, and I don't believe we've been there before and so we're sort of pathing new territory. Uh, COVID changed a lot of things, made us see a lot of things differently. It changed us, and so now we want to be responsive to go, what does God want to do in his church? A fresh thing. So today, I don't just have a message to share. If it was just a message, it would have been a lot easier to prepare for today. Um, instead, at the start of the year, God gave me a picture of what our church, the community of our church, men and women, would be like. He gave me that picture and then he went to work on me. <laughs> and so today I, I want to share, I guess, my journey throughout the year. And it's, but it's not just my story. Today it's going to be about your story. It's going to be about our story. And what I love about God is that he is in the business of rewriting our stories. He doesn't just leave us where we're at, but he is writing our story and rewriting the parts that need to be healed. So can I let you in on a bit of inside information into pastors' lives? Can I do that? Do you want to know? Well, what you know about us is that we love God, we love Jesus, and we love people. We love being there for people, we love counseling people, praying for people, being there during the dark times, being the shoulder that, that you feel you can come and, and cry on, and and we love seeing you make connections in church community. But what you may not know is that many pastors often don't experience deep relationships. Many pastors feel isolated. And it almost feels inevitable because for us, our community and our work are the same. And so for the people that I spend a lot of time with, they are both, I'm both their friend, but I'm also their boss. And so I've always felt a little bit separated and that I can't share everything or that I won't be understood for everything. And and when I have to keep changing these hats that, that I wear... And so it seems inevitable and I think uh, being so busy taking care of other people and us women, we do that, don't we? We're busy, we're, we're, we're maternal, we're nurturers, we, we take care of other people and I started to believe, I didn't know that I believed this but, but I became aware that I started to believe that nobody wants to know me, that I am here to give and to serve but not to receive that, not to receive somebody taking care of me. Have you ever felt like that before? Yeah. And so, it's not that I'm not honest. You know, you say, oh, but Alyssa, you get up here and you share so honestly, yeah, I'd be honest. If you ask me, if you ask me, I will share with you. I won't, I don't have secrets in my life. I will share with you my life, but I won't initiate. I won't initiate. And so, as life has happened to me over the years, I have had no one to cry with and no one to celebrate with. And I started to realize this at the start of the year. And I shared this in a previous message recently that I started to realize that my friendships are the way they are because of me. I'm the one that backed away when it got hard, I was the one that got scared. I was the one that was responsible for it. And so I started to realize that at the start of the year, God's putting this in my heart about, the, about community within the church. And I realized I want more. I want more than I have. I know that God wants me to have more. I know that I'm hiding a part of myself away. And so I'd start taking small little steps into community, small little steps. But honestly, I was resisting it. Something in me was resisting it. A part of me didn't wanna change. A part of me didn't think I ever could change. I thought I was always going to be the way that I am and experience what I had, that I would never have what I saw, what I thought other people had. But this year, God had other plans. I wonder how many of us resist deep community. Not just surfacey community, but deep community. We resist going all in in our relationships. You see, on the one hand, we're scared to be alone. But on the other hand, we're also scared to be fully seen and known. It's possible that many of us, and I was reading this, that we are surrounded by people. But we feel alone. You see, loneliness is not determined by how many people are in your life, but the the quality of those connections. And stats say, recent stats say that three in five people, three in five people report feeling lonely most of the time. Three, that's 60%. Do you know that for millennials and Gen Z, that's 11, 11 years old to 42 years old, that stat is 73%. It's huge, huge. Three in five of us are feeling that we have, you have needs in your life and no one to meet them. You have hurts to share, but no one to listen to them. You have love to give, but no one to receive that love. You know, another stat said that, and maybe this explains it a little bit, that that 58%, so again, almost 60%, the same amount of the loneliness stats, say that no one knows them well. No one knows, knows, knows them. Loneliness stats in every age group. You know, for those over 65, 50% said that TV was their closest companion, Loneliness stats in every age group are rising rapidly, especially amongst women. And we are growing more and more apart as a society, more and more apart. And so it's no wonder that anxiety, depression, suicide uh, rates are also increasing. And so, in the church, if we're going to reverse this, if we are going to reverse the way the world is going, and if we are going to learn how to do biblical church community, together, then I believe, I believe that it needs to start with the women. I believe that it needs to start with us, that God is going to use us to bring a depth and a strength into the, into the community of God's people and into the world, that God is going to use the women. As I said, I, I'm hearing this stirring. I've only been a seat in, this, in this role for like three months, but already when I talk to other other pastors they're telling me the women want to gather, the women want to gather and, and I think th- there's something stirring and we're feeling this ache within us and when I talk to women even in our church, we're feeling this quiet ache in our heart and maybe it's like when we, we face the weekend and we look at our plans and there's no plans with friends, maybe it's because it's another night at home, all nights are at home. Maybe you've just been so busy in your season that you look up and no one is there. Maybe it's when you want to celebrate something, a birthday or, or something special happened and, and you don't know who to invite. You don't think people would want to come except your family. So we just do these family gatherings, but we don't have friends. Maybe it's just something little or, or something good or bad, something ordinary in your day. Like your kids are sick, you're feeling overwhelmed and you just want to tell someone. You just want a friend to know. Your husband kind of gets it, but you know. (laughs) But you just want a woman to understand you. You want to feel seen, but you don't know who to tell. Maybe you go to bed at night. You go to sleep and the last thing you think is, I have no one this quiet ache. We all feel a little bit lonely. We all feel it. We all feel that quiet ache, and and I think it's like that because God made us for more. We want more because God made us for more. He always intended that we would live in close-knit communities, and in the beginning in Genesis, we we see that when when God made the, the, the world, it says He made the heavens and the earth, and He said and the Lord said, it was good. But when he saw that he made Adam and he was all alone, he had no one to laugh with, he had no one to cry with, he had no one to celebrate with. What did God say in Genesis 2.18? He says, it is not good for man to be alone. You see, if we go back to Genesis 1.26, it gives some insight into why it wasn't good, why it wasn't good. It says in verse 26, Genesis 1, 26, then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. We were made in God's image and God is a relational being. God is not alone. He is not lonely He exists in relationship, three in one. We can't wrap our head around this, but he is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that that God is love. Again, we are made in his image, and he is never alone. He has never been alone. He has never experienced loneliness. We are made in his image. The Bible says God is love. Love is not just what God does, it's who he is. So relationships are not just what we do, it's what we were made to do. It is a fundamental part of our, our identity. We don't know who we are without each other. And we've just made it this side thing. Oh, if I have time... But it is a fundamental part of the way that God has made you, the way that God has made me. And the early church, they understood this. In Acts chapter 2 verse 46, it says, Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. How often were they around each other? every day, not just on Sundays, not just every now and then when it was convenient, when they weren't busy doing something else, but every day their lives were interconnecting, every day. And this was more than just physical proximity because they would have lived near each other, this was emotional unity, this was emotional connection. So why, why did they gather so often? they knew they needed each other. They knew that they needed each other. I mean, back then, they were facing a spiritual battle. Back then, they were facing persecution. Back then, they were, you know, people were getting sick and needed to be prayed for. Back then, people were just struggling in everyday life and they were feeling pressure. Back then, I mean, that's, that's not now, is it? Just back then. But, you know, they didn't want to do life alone. And so they gathered around meals. They gathered around prayer to uplift and to strengthen each other. And I think, you know, they didn't do it with just, you know, dragging their feet. Oh, I better go to church today. Come on. Like, oh, you know, there's life group on. They're pressuring me to go. No, it says they went with glad and sincere hearts. Glad and sincere hearts. Why? Because they knew they needed each other. They knew. And I think that's the fundamental difference between the church then, biblical church community then, and what we are going through now, is that we have forgotten that we desperately need each other. We somehow think that we can supply all our needs. I mean, even God doesn't do that. He, you know, he needs a relationship. And we think that my husband can meet all my needs, my boyfriend can meet all my, my kids, My dog, you know. We think that we can find all our needs in in everything else but each other. But it doesn't work that way. You know, we intentionally now seek independence, don't we? We try to design our life without the risk of intimacy. We don't ask for help. We don't pick up the phone. We don't let people into our real life struggles. We work online, shop online, bank online, talk to our friends online. We watch church online. We problem solve on YouTube online. (sighs) We used to call and, and ask someone for help when we needed it, and now we just YouTube it. And so we may be comfortable and safe and entertained, all tucked away in our homes, scrolling and watching our screens, but we also feel sad we feel sad. And so God made us for more. We feel that quiet ache and that is the Holy Spirit, I believe, beginning to stir something within us to say it shouldn't be this way. And so what holds us back? Why don't we do it? Why don't we do it? I mean, yes, this whole thing of I don't need it is a huge one. We'll get to that soon. But what are other lies? What are other lies that we believe that hold us back from this thing that that we need so much in our life? I think again, I don't have time for this. I don't have time for this. We think it's just something we add to our schedule. But being in community is not just something we we add, it's something that we are. We are that. And it's, so it's about doing the things we do already, but do it with people. You know, uh, like we all eat dinner, don't we? We all eat dinner, let's eat it with people. Like this week I invited someone over and I just served my normal chilli chicken stir fry. It wasn't special, it wasn't a three course meal, just ordinary food that I would eat anyway, but come over and eat it with us. You know, doing errands, come with me, I've got to do the shopping, why don't you come with me and we can chat. You know, just doing life, do what we always do, but do it together. Pick up the phone. Another lie that stops us is that it's not safe. I think many of us would say, I've tried it before and I got hurt. There's a reason why we don't do this. It isn't just technology and it's not just, you know, the, because we, people are moving more these days, they're changing jobs more these days. It's not just because of that, it's because it's hard. People are the, are the best parts of life. Netflix will never be the best part of your life. Revelation. <laughs> you'll never say, oh, watching that show was just the best. No, people are the best parts of life. But they are also the hardest parts of life. Amen? They're the hardest parts of life. You know, I love this quote that I heard from uh, Diedrich, Diedrich Bonhoeffer. I probably haven't said that right. But in his book called Life Together, he says, the person who loves their dream of community will destroy community. But the person who loves those around them will create community. You see, we can have a dream of community that doesn't involve getting hurt. But that is a fantasy. That's not reality. And if that is our expectation or that is our condition for doing friendship, doing deep friendship, then we will never have it. We will never experience it or we will give it up. But it's a dream. And so we need to forgive our friends for not being God. We need to forgive them that they are not perfect because God in all our imperfection, in all your imperfection, chooses to use us to be his hands and his feet and Jesus' heart for each other. In all our imperfection, God wants us to feel his love, his grace, his truth through each other other lies that we believe are things like, I'm always going to be alone. People would reject me if they knew my mess. People will control me. People will use me. I'm too much. I'm an introvert. Or maybe it's something else. What is that lie? What is that thing that you believe that keeps you from having the thing or walking towards the thing, the, the, the depth of relationships that we were made for? What is it? Can you identify it? Say it in your head. What is it? What is that lie that holds you back? And maybe you didn't even know it was a lie. It's, at the moment, it's just an excuse. You know, for me, I believed pretty much all those, all those things. Um, But as I said earlier, I genuinely believed that nobody wanted to know me. Genuinely believed. No one wanted to know me. I genuinely believed that I would never have it. That it's just not me. It's just not going to happen. And so deep community just seemed like this fantasy that I would see on TV. And after two decades of being hurt and used and controlled and betrayed and all those things, my weary heart just wanted to stay safe. I just wanted to stay home, and I wanted close friendships to just fall onto my lap. Has that worked for anyone before? Like, no. (laughs) Just checking. So, I was waiting at home for these close friendships to come to me. Oh, you know, if it's meant to be, they'll find me kind of thing. (laughs) It didn't work. Um, Now, don't get me wrong. I have friends, and for my friends that are offended right now (laughs) in the room, I thought I was your friend. (laughs) I have friends, I have friends, I have long-term friends, I have childhood friends, I have women in this church that I cherish but intimacy was occasional because we're all busy and finding those times to connect and to genuinely share was more incidental than planned yeah? Incidental than planned. And so, um, me, trying to be friends with everybody, it would take me six months to see everyone. And by the time it's like, you know, I see you again, I have to give you an update on the last year of my life. Like, that's the kind of friendships that I kind of have, you know? I have to give a big update on my life. And so, this year started and uh, obviously, I know, you didn't know, but I knew that we were going to be uh, given this opportunity to to lead our church, and so I know it's coming, and 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 God is starting to speak to me, and and God's whispering to me, and as I said, I start realizing that that my friendships are the way they are because of the. And I could pick these little moments that happened that I backed away, these little just silly things, but I chose to back away from them, and so at the same time, um, I'm starting to the, the transitions coming it's approaching it's like this train coming and um and I was struggling I mean I've been pretty open that it was a it was very difficult the transition for me emotionally like my mom and my dad and coming out from under their leadership and change I'm not great with change um and so I was struggling And then basically, and literally there was one moment, one day when all of a sudden I felt like I was thrust into the public eye. It's like no one cared about me before this. And all of a sudden people, I I could be all in my head. You're like, Alyssa, get over yourself. Um, (laughs) But it felt like, it felt like all of a sudden eyes were on me. And I have never felt so alone. I felt so alone. I felt like I was drowning in it. And while this is happening, so the Holy Spirit was, before this was whispering, now the Holy Spirit changes his tune. And all of a sudden he's like, he's not like my three-year-old, but, but it's like when my three-year-old grabs my face and speaks to me nose to nose, it was like that. And all of a sudden he's like speaking to me directly, intimately, Intensely. And I couldn't escape it. It's like everywhere I went, whether I was, you know, preparing for my classes during the week, if I was, uh, were in staff meeting, the topic they would choose, if it was conversations I'm having, books I'm reading, in everything, the Holy Spirit is speaking to me. And you know what he's saying to me? He's saying, Alyssa, you need People. You need people. The answer wasn't an altar call moment. The answer wasn't, uh, you know, some direct thing that I was going to get in worship. It was people. God's answer to what I was feeling was people. God's answer to your loneliness, to that ache within you, is people. God has people for us. And so he's speaking to me. And um, now you've got to understand, I don't need anyone. I don't need anyone. Beyond my husband, and even that took me a while to learn to need him, you know, that's another story for another day. <laughs> oh, very independent. Very independent. <laughs> yeah, he would, he he can share on this one there, because he has a lot to say on this. <laughs> but I thought that neediness was weak. I thought that neediness was unhealthy. Because that's what I had experienced. Has anyone ever experienced neediness that's unhealthy before? Yeah, I had experienced that. And so I started, the Holy Spirit started to show me that neediness was actually the key to, to opening up my heart to people, to 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 softening my heart. Now, I knew that this was the key in my relationship with God. Need, poor in spirit, come before God as we are. I knew all that. But I somehow, what's wrong with me? I don't know. But it didn't click. It didn't click that need is also what opens the door to deep relationship. It's the door. And so at this point, God then puts the names of two of my friends on my heart. Two current friends, not new people, two people that I'd kind of kept at arm's length, kind of like just kept them over there. And he put them on my heart and he told me, get them in a room and tell them you need them. Now, to you, you're like, oh, that's easy. To me, this was impossible. I'm like, get behind me, Satan that is not, no way I am going to do that, no way I'm going to do that, I am capable, I'm strong, I can get through this, this season will pass, you know, the things we say to each other, ourselves, I'll be fine and so I resisted it, I resisted God, I fought back with, but God, they're probably too busy. They probably already have other friends that they, that they, you know, that they care for. You know, they probably, you know, what would they think of me if I told them? You know, what if they reject me, God? And so I had, for two to three weeks, it was so strong, and yet for two to three weeks, I'm like, uh-uh, I can't do this. I couldn't bring myself to do it. And I was hoping it wasn't the Holy Spirit. Have you ever hoped it's not the Holy Spirit? Just, just show me that it's not you, <laughs> Don't think that works. (laughs) And so the Holy Spirit then is hounding me. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, if you're not in church, then um, basically it's like this thing within you, and you know it's not you because you would never have come up with it. (laughs) I would never have told myself to do this. And so the Holy Spirit in me, living within me, is hounding me. And so about two to three weeks, oh, so before that, and I want to say this, I I had to ask myself, and I think we've got to ask ourselves, sometimes when this happens, I had to ask the Holy Spirit, why am I resisting this so much? Why? Because my heart would always be, yes, God, yes, God. But this one, I'm like, no, God, no, God. So I had to ask, why? Why am I resisting this so much? And I began to realize that something painful was breaking within me. It was a deep layer of self-sufficiency. And God was saying, enough enough. And I really sensed when I was preparing this message that God is saying that to you today, to us today, enough. Enough thinking that you can do it on your own. Enough thinking that you have to do it on your own. You don't have to do it on your own. You can't do it on your own. God never intended, we were never meant to do it alone. And so three weeks after the transition, I'm driving to work and I'm crying because something happened, everything's happening, I have no idea what I'm doing, and I I go to work and and I'm driving and the Holy Spirit again, tell them you need them. And I'm like, ugh. But it was was undeniable, it was inescapable. I know, he is not going to, it was getting worse and worse, so I'm like, he is not going to leave me alone until I do it. And so that day, I gathered all the courage I had and I asked my friends to meet these two people and I said, and and I'd never done this before, okay, this, this was not usual, they probably just thought I wanted to talk about something with church, asked them to do something probably, but with no polished words like today, with nothing prepared, I brought my broken self to them and I said, I need you. And I asked if they would be my people and if they could give me a space where I could just be me. And I said to them, if, if this is too much, if you don't feel like this is your season for this or you're too busy or if you've got other people, it's okay. It's okay. I can take it. But I needed to ask. God, put your name on my heart, but it's okay if you can't do it. And so I risked it. I put all my fears on the table. And do you know what they said? Every fear that I had, they had. Every fear that I had, they had. I cried, they cried, and they said that this was the thing that they had been praying for. That we all needed her. but we all just didn't know how to break into that next level of deep community, that next layer deep of being known by each other. This was the breakthrough we all needed. Instantly for me, I felt seen, I felt heard, I felt understood, I didn't feel alone. I wonder what it would take for us to take off the mask and to come to each other broken and say, I need you. I need you. I could do it on my own, but I don't want to anymore. You know, for a lot of us, we say, oh, but I can, I can manage. Yeah, we can manage, but do you want to? I said to them that day, I'm like, you know, I know I can get through this, and oh, this season will pass, but, but I don't want to let, let this season pass and miss out on what God, the gift that God is giving me. But it was very hard to walk through those doors. You know, 1 Corinthians 12. 1 Corinthians 12, it says, The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can never say to the feet, I don't need you. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. Because all of you together are Christ's body and each each of you have a part of it. So no matter how self-sufficient, how capable, how spiritual we think we are, we cannot expect to be emotionally amputated from the body and think that we're going to thrive. You know, many of us have turned church or we've turned our friendships into a masquerade party. It was never meant to be a masquerade party. But we come with masks, hiding our pain, our hurts. You know, we're hiding behind the cliche of of Christian cliches. Oh, but I trust God. It's all good. God is good. Yeah, God is good. But how are you? Like, for goodness sake. We're hiding behind our kids, we're hiding behind our husbands, you know, we're hiding behind our busyness, oh, I'm busy, I'm busy, yeah, but again, what's going on? Let's do life together, we're hiding behind our personality, we're hiding behind our position, maybe like I was, you know, teenagers, they hide behind their chill, their low-key attitude, (laughs) we're hiding you know, we we show up to the party, but I'm here. Yeah, but we've but no one knows who you are. It's not enough to be here who knows you. So until we take off the mask and humbly come to each other, we can't be known. And you can't be fully loved until you are fully known. You know, Timothy Keller, he's an incredible theologian and author. And he says, to be loved but not known is comforting but superficial. To be known and not loved is our greatest fear. To be fully known and truly loved is, well, a lot like being loved by God. It is what we need more than anything. It liberates us from pretense. It humbles us out of our self-righteousness. And it fortifies us for any difficulty that life can throw at us question is, who knows you? Like, knows, knows you. Knows, 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 knows you. What friend knows what you have been carrying? What you have been wrestling with in the last week? In the last two weeks? Who knows what's been going around in your head? What's going on in your life, in your family? Who knows? Who have you shared with? Our greatest need is love. God made us women like this. He made us to be loved. But we cannot be loved until we learn how to open up our heart to be loved, to be known by others. So how do we grow in this? How do we take steps to grow? Dr. John Powell says that there are five levels of communication and level one is cliché. This is small talk that we do when we greet each other in the foyer. Hey, how are you? Good. We don't expect anyone to say bad. <laughs> oh, if you say bad, I have to stay here, you know? Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's what we do with our neighbours. It's what we do, you know? It's, we just expect easy answers. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. Level two is facts. Here is what you share, what you know. You share what you know, what happened to you, experiences you've, you've had, what you know about others, gossip in other words. Um, now, some of us find it hard to even do this, to even, we don't want people to know our business. We don't want people to know where we went and what we did and, you know, we don't want people to even know that. So, that's level two. Number three is opinion. You share your opinion on the facts. You, have, you show your preferences. You show what you like and what you don't like. Again, that's the start of risk, but it's still very guarded, many of us stop here. Level four is feelings. This is, where you share, this is where you share how the facts and opinions have affected you. You share how you're feeling and you name it. You say, this and that happened and this is how I feel about it. I feel humiliated. I feel sad. I feel depressed. I feel um, threatened. I feel good. I feel, you know, not all bad. Um, but most of us have to learn this. Most of us don't naturally do this. A lot of us haven't learned to do this in our families. And so it requires that we have to actually stop and reflect. We have to stop and reflect. Now, this is the beginning of being known. But it doesn't stop here. Level five is transparency. This is very rare. And on this level, you don't just share how you are which some of us were kind of getting maybe the hang of that. Now we share who we are. We don't hide anything. It's where we come forward, where we initiate, where we share our needs. I need this from you. It's where we share our fears. It's where we confess. Many of us don't have this layer in our life. To be transparent is to allow people to see through us. Yeah? Yeah? When we allow people to see through us, it's okay, I invited them to come up. They're meant to be here. (laughs) I'm wrapping up. Now, of course, we don't do this with everyone. We don't let everyone see everything that we are, but with a few people, God made us to do this. In fact, God built us to to be deeply known in our everyday life, not just in the presence of a counsellor, not just in the presence of your pastor or a mentor, but in mutual relationships that we could share and bring who we really are to them and find acceptance and love and forgiveness and truth. In First 1 John 1, 1.7, the Passion Translation, it says, if we keep living in the pure light that surrounds him, Jesus, we share unbroken fellowship with one another. If we decide to bring our light, our lives out into the light, come out openly, and say this is who I am. If we risk it, only then will we be able to experience the kind of community that God has for us. So as I as I deep-dived into level five territory with my friends, I was like Doop! as I did that, we discussed how are we going to do friendship differently, not just when we get around to it, because that was like barely ever, but How are we going to do it? And so we decided we're going to meet regularly. We're going to meet, like, intentionally to just share life together. Not to gossip or speak about anyone else, but to share us, our lives, and not to wait until something happens to share it, until somebody asks. Not to wait for somebody else to initiate, but to come forward with our needs, come forward with our mess, to say, I need you right now. Can you be there for me? We decided that we were going to do life in all its messiness, rawness and confusion. When we don't know, we'll still come. You know, I don't know what to say, but I'm still going to come. To do it together. To laugh, cry, and honestly, it's been it's been 3 months, but it's been beautiful, and I've never had that. I've never experienced it, and it was so quick. All it took was taking a risk. I can if you decide to do this, if you decide to do this, to step out and and share who you really are, to step towards relationships, maybe it's new ones, maybe it's current ones, I can give you a guarantee. a hundred percent guarantee. Do you want to hear it? You will get hurt. You will get hurt. People will let you down. And so we don't do this because people are great. We don't do this even because we need it. We do it because God already did it for us. In John 15, Jesus says, So this is my command, love each other deeply as much as I have loved you. For the greatest love of all is a love that sacrifices all. And this great love is demonstrated when a person sacrifices his life for his friends. So this is my parting command, love one another deeply. You have been loved deeply. You have been loved so completely. God knows everything about you. You are fully known to him, fully known to him. The worst thing about you, he knows. And yet he chose to die for you. He chose you. He loves you. He even likes you. And so we can be hurt by others. And we can keep risking it again and again as we step out and bring and come as we are to our relationships. We can keep risking it because He has loved us so completely. He, has, he knows us so completely that everyone else can let us down and we can heal and we can stay open and we can stay free. Because we are fully known and accepted by Him, we can risk being known and accepted by others. It's because of Him. Why don't you bow your heads and and close your eyes. And we only do that because it just gives you that privacy. And I just want to ask, how is God speaking into your story today? What are you sensing is for you today? It may have nothing to do with what I have said, but, but you're sensing something else for your story. How is God revealing His love to you today? Maybe you're realizing the things that you've believed that have just kept you back, just kept you back. Maybe God's asking you to take a risk and be vulnerable Who is God asking you to start loving today? Not to wait at home for it to fall into your lap, but to take a step towards it. And I wonder how many of you here today would say painfully, when I am hurting, I don't have anyone to turn to. Maybe you have burdens and you have things you're carrying and no one knows about it. No one knows what what you are wrestling with, what you are having to endure. You know, if that's you, would you, right in this private moment with no one else looking around, would you raise your hand to say, that's me, would you pray for me? Yeah, yeah, many hands. Wow, so many hands. And maybe there are others of you and you say, I've got people, but I need more. I need more of God's people in my life today. If that's you, would you raise your hand to say, I need more. I want more of God's people in my life. Yeah. Wonderful. I want to pray with you. And if you feel comfortable, would you just outstretch where, just where you're sitting, just outstretch your hand. And really, it's just you're positioning yourself to hear from God, to listen to God, to receive something from God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that you see every daughter here today. You see every woman. You see what she carries. You see the pain. You see the hurt. You see the loneliness, that ache she feels. God, we pray that first and foremost, that she would have, Lord, an experience with your love. Lord, that she would live uh, with the understanding how known and how loved she is by you. God, we thank you, Jesus, that you have set her apart, not to be apart, but Lord, to be your daughter. But God, I pray that she would decide that no more, enough, 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 that she doesn't have to live this way anymore. We thank you, Jesus, that you are putting names into the hearts of every person here. You are putting names in our hearts, Lord, people that we can reach out to, people that, Lord, that we need to say, we need to enter into deeper relationships, people that we need to choose to love, people that maybe we've backed away from, but God is saying, I want you to draw near to them. They are the people I have gifted you with. Walk towards them. Lord, for those that are hurting, God, maybe it's in their marriage. Maybe it's uh, things that, maybe it's health-wise. Maybe it's in their mind. Maybe it's in, 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 just in their situation, God. I pray, Lord, that right now, Lord, that you would reveal your heart for them. Holy Spirit, that you would show them. You would show them the way to go. Lord, I pray that we would be a community of women that fight for each other. Lord, that we don't give up on each other. But Lord, we choose to be there, just like you chose to be there for us. You never left us. You never walked away from us. And God, I pray that we would choose to be that kind of community to each other, to go deep, to add strength, to uplift, to walk towards, even when it's hard, to forgive, to heal, to stay open. We thank you, Jesus, for your love that is poured out here today. I've asked the worship team to sing this song, I am the one you love. And it's all about how God knows us and how much He loves us. And they're gonna sing this song over us and and then we're gonna sing another song as well. But would you allow yourself, they're gonna sing it over us and then we're gonna join in with them. I pray that the heart of God for you today would sweep over the hurts, would sweep in and find a home in the places that are hurting, the place where you feel shame, the places where you feel most alone. Thank you, worship team. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Encompass Church. If today's message has impacted you and you want to give your life to Jesus, if you need prayer or if you want to get connected to the church, please contact us at office at encompass.org.au. Never miss a moment by following us online. Search for Encompass Church on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram.